and we're going to give to him. <laughs> Amen. So how about we get some expectation in your hearts and spirit this morning. Amen. So I would like to invite Sister Amy to come up and testify as we get ready to worship the Lord. Sister Amy, there she is. Let's give her a hand. Hello, I would just like to uh, oh, I'm gonna cry. Um, testify about being yesterday at the Boricua Fest. I was in the children's um, tent, and there's only so much you could testify to a child. So what I did is I did crafts, and they all said, Jesus loves you, love, one uh, love each other, and uh, love God, love people. So then I get this 10-year-old boy with uh, a couple of brothers, and he's like, he takes out his money, and he's like, how much do I have to pay? We're like, you know, no, everything is free, the face painting, the crafts and the freeze pop. I'm like, yeah. And then he's like, but why? So his mom answers, it's for the love of, of God that they do this. And then, and I'm like, yeah, baby, you know, you know, Jesus loves you very much. And he's like, so Jesus loves me for uh, so much and it's um, for free. But if it's like that, then why are all these people selling that stuff next to us? You know, because he pointed to uh, where they sell T-shirts and flags. And he's like, why do we need, we buy stuff that we don't need and stuff that we need is for free. And I told them, yes, baby, you know, because you are his treasure. God loves all his little children. And there's nothing that you need to do but believe in him, you know, for him to, to love you and to be in your life. And it was just so powerful that a 10-year-old little boy, you know, he understood this. And and I wanted to cry there. And, I, you know, I, I I did pray for him. But he was just like, oh, wow, you know, it's, it's, it's so cool. And he turns around and he looks at his mom. I didn't. I've never really thought about it, but you could tell that the mom would talk to him about God, but it just, it, it all just came together at that moment. And it reminded me of, of the, this uh, one scripture here. It talks about, hold on. it says, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And I was just, I just told him, you know what? Jesus just loves you, and he loves everyone, not just, and I told the mom, not just the children, but he loves you too, and they're like, oh, you know, well, thank you, God bless, and I was like, no, God bless you, and it just blessed my heart that day that, you know, I did not feel tired, I was just, I saw my purpose that, that, that day, yesterday, that it was for this child that I came, you know, and I would just like, you know, to pray, <sighs> Father God, I thank you so much for giving us the opportunity to to be there for these people, to show them our love, to witness to them in any way that we could. Um, and I pray that everybody that we talked to yesterday and everybody that, that we've seen, that, you know, they are touched by your love and that they see, you know, that, that everything was done for you, that, that you love them, that this is, we, we will do anything we can in your name and that you just want to reach out to them, the children, the grown, the homeless, the, the drunk, and the gangbanger, everybody, Lord. <sighs> and that you just love everybody, and it takes nothing, nothing that they, they don't have to do anything to receive your love, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Why don't you just give Papa God a hand clap of praise, <laughs> amen. You know, if you were at the Puerto Rican festival last night, I know that your hunger for souls was stirred up. You know, I was changed yesterday, and I've been going out there for the last eight years. And just to preach the gospel, I was just refreshed. Amen? 
You know, that testimony is so wonderful because there's a story in the Bible where Jesus was surrounded by little kids. And the disciples, you know, these awesome men of God, you know, these disciples, the apostles, were like shooing these kids away. Like, get out of here. Leave them alone. And Jesus said, hey, wait a minute. Suffer the little children. You know, don't stop them. And do not hinder them, he said. For such is the kingdom of God. Amen. You know, Christ wants you to be not childish, but he wants you to be childlike in your faith. So I want you guys to just approach the throne room of God, the, the throne room of grace right now boldly, and call him Abba. So whatever you have to do, just lift up your hands and start worshiping Father. Just start worshiping Father. Come on, just worship him. Worship him. Worship him. Oh, Abba, Abba, you're so good. Oh, Father, we're your children. We're your children, oh, oh. Come on, if you just want to experience God today, if you just want to have a new revelation of, of who he is, I want you to come up here in your childlike faith. I want you to come near this altar right now. The place of change. Please come, come, come. You're going to experience something today that you have never experienced before. I don't care if you've been saved for 30 years. I don't care if you've been saved for 30 minutes. The Lord is about to rock us this, this morning. Amen. He's about to show us his, his uh, fatherly love, his never changing love for us. God, show us today. We surrender to you right now, God. We surrender to you. Our egos, God, our pride is surrendered before your feet right now. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Want you to have your way.
sing it until you believe it.
Hallelujah. Father God, we lift up Chicago to you right now. Father God, from the north, south, east, and west, Father God, to the north Chicago, the south suburbs, the east suburbs, the west suburbs, Father God, Romeoville, Father God, the state of Illinois right now, Chicago, Father God, we lift up and surrender to you, Father God. You will bring revival, Father God. You will bring an end, Father God, to the violence, Father God, that we watch and hear every day in the news, Father God, of little kids, Father God, getting killed by gun violence, Father God. We pray right now for revival. We pray for transformation, Father God, in the city of Chicago, Father God. And we pray you will convict hearts, Father God. We pray for brokenness in the city, Father God. We pray that all nationalities, Father God, will come together, Father God, from the youngest to the oldest, Lord Father God, to the different age groups, Father God, Lord Father God, from the different skin colors, they will come to know you as Lord and Savior, Father God, and we pray that they will never be the same again, Father God, and that in Jesus' name, Father God, in Jesus' name, you will give us brokenness for them, Father God, and we pray, Father God, that in Jesus' name, the revival will come, Father God, all over the neighborhoods, all over, Father God, the city of Chicago, we pray that you will bring revival, Father God, from Englewood humble park father god we pray father god for a total transformation to happen lord in jesus name in jesus name chicago for jesus chicago for jesus chicago for jesus in jesus name i want a passionate young lady to come up here and pray for the young women that are running into these abortion mills and killing that life inside of them that god would have mercy on them and our city come on young lady their hearts and that they wouldn't make a mistake that they would later regret and feel so far from you God draw near God to us in Jesus name
God, you can do in 10 seconds what a song couldn't do in five minutes. just need to repent right now. If anyone knows me, if anyone knows me, you know that I don't throw these words out flippantly, but some of us need to repent here today. Some of us need to fall on our knees right now and declare that God is king and that God is Lord, and that your selfishness will not rule you anymore. I'm not trying to stir you up with emotion, but I want the Holy Ghost to pierce your heart right now. To pierce your heart so that you can love a city, so that I can love a city and see it transformed. See it transformed, so if that's you, if that's you, call out to Jesus right now. Call out to Jesus right now. Call out to Jesus right now. Don't be ashamed. Don't be proud. And if you think you got to figure it out, call out to Jesus anyway. He is your only way. Call out to Jesus. Call out to Jesus. you in our schools. We want you in our hearts. We want you in our homes. We want you at the city hall, at the courthouses, Lord God, at the White House. We want you in this nation. Come on. Come on. Shout to the Lord. Shout to the Lord. Can finally I Finally, I
and clap. Praise Him right now. Praise Him right now. Oh God, your worship, your worship is here, God. Your worship is here. We worship you. us to be encouraged by a testimony right now what God did through you at Humble Park yesterday. If God used you in a special way, I want you to come up here. We have time for at least one, one testimony. Come on. Well, I was here since the first, first time. Um, and I had to say that this is it was refreshing because it was the first time that I really, my my heart was broken for those those that don't know Jesus like uh, this was like what, my, a year nine year so it was just uh, I saw people differently, you know like you get used to it, seeing people in those areas, living like that rolling blondes like nobody's business, drinking every half a corner, you see that, it's not, it's not even like you get used to it because you live around that people around the area whatever but when we're, when we were coming back from the from the outreach i see people like <laughs> every like literally every half a corner every half a block like people like rolling blondes and the bottles in the floor like just the authority it's not even doing anything you know because there's so much it's like but while i was wa walking back to the car it's like my heart just broke for them the God giving the heart to see them the way that he sees them. That was something that God did in myself. nothing worth more.
on, lift up those hands and sing this. Welcome him. take your hand and place it over your heart. Just believe with me that everything we saw at Boricua Fest yesterday is done in the name of Jesus. 
Proclaim it right now with all of your heart that it is done. Proclaim it with all of your heart that it is done. That the Holy Spirit, that, that, that everything that we've seen, everything that we experienced yesterday, every person that heard our voice, every person that heard the gospel, that it will be made real. Every person with your hands over your heart, just believe it for each person you saw. For each child who got their face painted. For every person who was ministered by that skin. For every person that felt God and felt the presence of God during worship. For every person that heard the word of God, truth being spoken. Believe it with me. And let's together just declare. Let us shout with victory for those individuals. Let us shout with victory that they are saved. Let us shout with victory unto God that it is done. Hallelujah. It is done. Hallelujah. Children will be saved and, and will glorify your name, God. The lost will come to you. The homosexual is saved, God. The lesbian is saved, God. The gangbanger is saved, God. They are saved, Lord. We believe it, God, and we seal it, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Let it be done. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, I ask, God, that you would be with us the rest of the service, God, that your spirit would move mightily, God, through the word, God, and that you would have your way in us and through us, God. Let not what happened yesterday be forgotten tomorrow, Lord, but let us continue forth in, in that power and that authority, Jesus. In your mighty name, God, we pray. Everybody said amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. I would like to take, as you find your seats, a moment to dismiss our, our children to King's Kids. Good morning, everyone. My name is Leilani, and I'm one of the pastors here at Metro Praise. And I'm going to take some time right now to preach the gospel to you. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to uh, the book of John. John chapter 3, verse 3 this morning. And I know this weekend was very powerful. We had, you know, to hearing the testimonies this morning really blessed my heart. And I know it blessed many of you this morning as well. If you are there, uh, just follow with me as I read John 3, 3. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And in the scripture, we learn a couple things here. We know that Jesus is speaking to us, and Jesus replied, right? Very truly, I tell you, and we know that by this statement, Jesus cannot be a liar, so this statement is truth. No one, not one person can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. There were so many people out there on those streets that did not know what born again was and did not have a relationship with Jesus, but you in this room have heard You've tasted and seen, and you know. And if there are those of you in this room do not, that do not know what to be born again is, I'll explain it very simply in this. If you do not have a relationship with Jesus, and a relationship being something you communicate, if you know what a relationship is in this place, could you just raise your hand? It is something you communicate in a relationship. You spend time with someone in a relationship. You do things for that person in a relationship. And that is what Jesus Christ desires from us, a relationship where we spend time in his presence, 
where we read his word, where we get to know him and be intimate with him. And I beckon you this morning, if you do not have that, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus, where you say to yourself, I've repented of my sins, I've turned away from who I was and what I was doing, and now I follow Jesus, I live according to his word, then I, I'm going to close off with a prayer in just a few moments. And I want to invite you during that time to come up and, and receive prayer from our prayer workers. Learn what it is to have a relationship through our mentorship, through our discipleship, through our 101. Get involved with Jesus. Learn what that is to have a relationship. We have Rachel up here and Elliot. If you guys want prayer, come up. If you want to know what it is to be discipled and, and learn to have that relationship, they will teach you that. They will explain that to you, okay? But right now, I want to just take some time to pray. So if you could all bow your heads with me. Lord, I just come before you, God. And I lift up every person at the sound of my voice. And Lord, I plead on their behalf, God, that you would touch them. God, I pray that you would beckon them to come to you, Lord. All good things, God, come from you. Lord, you are so worthy of it all. Lord, you laid down your life. You paid the ultimate price for every person here. And all you desire, Lord, is that we would lay down our life, that we would live for you, love you, follow your word. That is all you ask, God. So I pray, Jesus, that you would draw them unto you. Have your way in every person's life, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you could all just stand with me at this time. Right now, if you, we are going to recite our confession of faith. And if you need a handout so you can see it physically in front of you, our ushers are around. So just raise your hand. And what our confession of faith is, these are our beliefs. This is what we stand upon. This is what we would lay our lives down for. This is what we, when we say we're Christians, we believe. This, these are our fundamentals. This is what we hold on to. So on the count of three, I want you to repeat with me, okay? One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ, built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons, in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. If you need prayer, please come up and see our prayer workers. Amen.
All right, everybody, welcome to MPI Church. So good to have you all here with us this morning. Please make your way back to your seat. Good morning. How is everybody doing today? Happy Father's Day. Come on to all of our wonderful fathers here today. Give it up for the fathers. Thank you so much for joining us. We got something special coming up here for you in just a few minutes. Thank you so much for joining us. We here at Metro Praise, we have Sunday morning service. Every Sunday at 10 a.m. is our family service. And Fridays is our Elevate Youth Service. Come on, Elevate. Elevate. Awesome. So I just want to give you a quick announcement what's happening next Sunday. We're going to be having baptisms here at the church. So come ready. If we can get that baptism slide right up there, please. Come on, Sunday, June 22nd at 10 a.m. If you want to get that, come on, right there, my sister Madeline. You want to get baptized, please talk to your life group leader. If you don't have a life group leader yet, come talk to me. Come on, it's baptism. It's going to be powerful, so please invite your friends, your family members. It's going to be powerful. And after that, we're going to be having a, a barbecue out in the parking lot. So come on out. It's going to be fun and exciting. Here at MPI, we have a vision of loving God and loving who? Loving people, yes. With a discipleship strategy of connect, mentor, and send. We don't do membership, we do discipleship, right? And so we want to make sure you get connected to Jesus. And after you know Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, we want you to get connected to a life group. So right now you're getting your announcements. And as you get them, please turn to the back of your announcements and check out all everything we have going out throughout this quarter. We got something for the kids, for the married people, single people, um, something for everybody. So please check that out. But here is what's going on this week. Uh, this Starting this Wednesday, King's Kids at 6.30 p.m. Parents, you got some kiddos. You want them to learn about Jesus, bring them out. You can drop them off or you can stay with them. But that's happening here Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. We got Friday Adult Bible Study at my house, 7 p.m. Guys, it's powerful. God is doing, come on, yes. God is doing great things. We pray, we study the word, and then we begin to intercede. God's just doing something this season. Come out, join us. We got child care for the children provided. And so contact me if you want more information for that. And this, this Saturday, Elevate is having an ultimate Frisbee hangout meeting here at the church yes and that is at 11 a.m so if you're a youth between the ages of 11 to 18 contact pastor adam pastor ellie and they want to connect with you and then also this saturday at 5 p.m we're going out to the streets and evangelizing yes powerful times you want to share your faith you've never shared your faith before please talk to pastor diana talk to rudy and they will get you connected because every week on a saturday we're going out and we're proclaiming the gospel the good news amen so please get connected this week, get connected. This month, something uh, that interests you, please reach out. We want to connect. And after you get connected, uh, we want to make sure you get mentored. Somebody say mentored. Mentored is something you do one-on-one -on -one with either an elder or a deacon here at the church. And God wants to train you up. And that's through this. He wants you to grow in your personal walk with Christ. And so after you graduate the 101, you go on to the 201 class, and that's with Pastor Jared Sundays at 8 a.m., disciples that make disciples because God wants to send you out. Somebody say send. Send you out into the world wherever he might take you, but he wants you to go. And we have a, a goal of 100,000 disciples here in the city of Chicago, 50 churches here, and 500 all around the world. Come on, give him some praise because he's doing it. Amen. So now it's time to prepare to give our tithes and offerings. Please turn with me in your Bible to 2 Corinthians 9, 13. We are on lesson number 10 out of the Disciples Giving Book. This lesson is Offerings Require Obedience. 
offerings require obedience. Once again, we're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 13. We know that tithe is 10% of our total income. Any, any, everything we earn, 10% of that is already our tithe. And anything that we give after that, an offering is a gift to God, something God puts on your heart, and it's a gift to him. Amen. So let's read. It says, because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Amen. So here are some main points about obedience in our giving. It says, number one, prove yourself. Just like how faith without action is dead, the same is true with love and generosity. Excuse me. If it doesn't result in giving, we prove our thankfulness to God by giving generous offerings. So you want to prove yourself. You want to just tell the Lord like how grateful and how thankful you are for all of the blessings we give. We do that through our giving to others. Number two, obedience to God. When God speaks to your heart concerning giving offerings, you are required to be obedient to his will, just as you are to obey his other commands. So you're saying, hey, I'm starting my relationship with God. I'm learning how to hear his voice. And all of a sudden you hear that little knock on your heart and God's telling you to give. You don't want to ignore that. You want to obey God as he puts that on your heart to give. And number three, sharing with others. Just like, just like how we teach our children that sharing is caring, we are reminded by Paul that if we truly confess Jesus as Lord and, the, and love the gospel, we should share our finances with others in giving offerings. By doing so, our gifts will result in much praise to God. Amen and amen. Please stand to your feet with me this morning. In summary, don't just be a hearer of God's word. Be a doer. Be obedient to what God asks you to give. Amen? And how do we apply this to our life? Be a faithful tither. Just start there. If you don't know where to start, just say, God, I'm being faithful with this $10 bill. I'm giving you my dollar. Come on, then take it up. I'm get, being faithful with my 20. I'm giving you my $2 and so forth. And just, God, if he can trust you with little, he can trust you with much, right? So number two, prove your faith by your actions. If you really believe you're blessed to be a blessing, act like it when it comes to giving your offerings. You might say, I'm blessed, and you know how to talk the, the talk, right? I'm so blessed. But then it's, uh-uh, that's my money. I'm holding on to it, you know? So no, act like you're a blessing. And number three, live a life of obedience to all of God's commands. Let's recite this together, this confession over our offering on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God because they go towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Amen. Here at MPI, when you give your tithe, it goes to the general fund. It pays for the bills, the lights, the internet, all that good stuff, right? That's from the tithe. Anything you give after that, you get to decide where it goes. You decide whether you want to give to the building. Sometimes we have different uh, projects going out going on throughout the church you can give to the building or missions offerings somebody tell me where we're going at the end of 2014 come on philippines we're taking a missions trip to the philippines and we're going to go meet other people's needs out there we're going to preach the gospel we're going to have discipleship training conferences we're going to have outreaches giving out books for free so much good stuff uh relief work 
So God is going to do it at the end of 2014. So make sure if you want to give to the mission circle missions, let us know you want your money to go there. Amen. Amen. Let's recite this scripture together. Acts 20, 35, the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all that you're doing. We thank you that we are a blessed people, dear God. Father, we have a roof over our head. We have clothes on our back, food in our belly. God, even those who are struggling are still blessed, dear God, because they know you. Father, I pray for obedience upon your people that we would give generously. We would hear your voice and listen to it, dear God, and we would not doubt. And I pray, dear God, that others would be blessed because of our giving. In Jesus' name, dear God, we pray. Amen. Come up as you give, and thank you. Salvation sounds a new beginning. As distant hearts begin believing. Redemption's big. Amen, amen. How many love their fathers? Let me get a woo-woo. Amen, amen. We want to bless our fathers today. First, we want to give a scripture to all of our fathers. So fathers, listen. I'll put it up here for me. If you have a Bible, open with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We want to honor our fathers. My father has come all the way from Fort Wayne, Indiana. He's going to share a word in just a moment. So good to have you here, Dad. No place that I would rather be with my dad than in our father's house. Right, Dad? Amen. Amen. And on the streets yesterday, thank you all for coming out. Puerto Rican Fest was as good as always, if not better. Took it to a whole nother level. Amen. <laughs> I love it when people know my style. It's like, I go, like if I went to another church and I was like a whole nother, they would have been looking at me like, and what, Pastor? You know? But like, here's like, level. Like, you come up, can we just all do it together? Level. Some of you are like, no. I'll repeat scripture, Pastor. I'll do this, but I ain't level. No, okay. Okay, here we go. Ephesians chapter 6. Is it okay if we have fun in church this morning? Amen. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers. Everybody say fathers. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, being a father of four, I can relate to this scripture in many ways. The first way I can relate to it is how Paul has got to tell us at the beginning, don't push them so hard that they don't want to serve God anymore. 
Why do I think he leads in with that? Because once fathers love Jesus and know the Bible, it's like they don't want their children to date, like their daughters, till they're 25 years old, you know, clean the shotgun when the boyfriend comes over. That's literally when I bought my first gun is when Bethany was born. So I'm like the typical father. And, you know, it's like we get so intense, you know, with our sons too, like Lucas. Like I'm already seeing I'm disciplining him even harder than I did the girls because I'm like, you're a man. He's like two years old, you know. I'm like, you are a man, Dito. I talk Puerto Rican to him too. And I'm like, Dito. No, I'm kidding. I'm like, I'm like, Lucas, you're a big guy, okay? And if he messes up, I'm like, you messed up. So it's like, you know, fathers we can be. See, I got a, I got a good father, Ricky and Ishmael, laughing over here. Come on. They can relate. We want to make them so strong. And we're being told here with our late, with our girls that we're the privilege, uh, uh, get the privilege of raising to be the first man. Think about this, fathers. When we raise girls, we're the first man that they ever fall in love with, the first man that they ever have someone open the door for them, the first man that ever takes them out for dinner, the first man that ever compliments them on their beauty. Fathers, isn't that a privilege? And then with our sons, we're the first one to throw a ball with them. We're the first ones to help them achieve different things like getting uh, scraped knees and, you know, uh, you know, scraped elbows. We're the first ones to watch them do extreme stuff, you know. I was hanging out with uh, the kids one day in our backyard as a park that goes uh, connects to the to the backyard, and uh, someone let me watch the children. I don't know who was on that watch, but they said you can take them past, or maybe they trusted me, you know. So like I should be like trustworthy. But I had a whole lot of them, and it got a little bit out of hand. And uh, AJ or uh, Evan rather, Berto's son, he goes down the slide face first, and I'm like, go for it, dude! You got it! You got it! And then he flies off scrapes his whole face on the floor you know you know scrapes on down there and then and then he's got it like all in his boogies and his face and like uh, mulch all up in his face he's crying and i'm like dude shake it off i'm like shake it off you're fine and like literally he's like looking for mommy he finally finds mommy mommy's way off in a distance and it's the whole way there and then you would think that would be the last time that I would watch the kids. But no, someone made a mistake again of letting me watch the kids. And by the way, this is how I get out of babysitting, okay? So I just tell you stories like this, and you're like, you will never babysit my kids. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, so anyways, then we have, we have uh, um, uh, Jared, Pastor Jared's over with Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, you know, I have these steps that go from our porch to the, uh, from the, the back door to the porch. And it's just two, two little steps, but it's made out of concrete, you know. And so Lucas is a little bit older, so Lucas will come up and down by himself. Well, Jeremiah had his mom's phone, and he was out there crying, and I had shut the door, you know, because it's like, oh, baby crying, shut the door. But anyways, uh, just, is it Father's Day? And I'm telling on myself but anyways so he's got the phone and I'm like come on up the stairs dude bring the phone up here because I'm not going down the two steps that's what I'm thinking I'm thinking you're bringing the phone to, to daddy to this daddy you know and then you could just see him like taking the step up the stairs and then all of a sudden the waddle starts and then boom it's all quiet now it's like it stopped being funny somebody's already got child protective services on the phone and then, like, he, he fell, he hit his side, and that's when I just turned around, and I'm like, Sue Ellen, you should have did something, you know? Like, why are you letting me do this? And then, and then she's like, oh, I think he hit his head. I'm like, he didn't hit his head. And then a little bit later, there's like a cherry mark, like, right here. Because I guess, like, after he fell on his bottom, he went to his side, and he was like this. But the way I say it, Dad, because you brought me up, he was on his Southsider original right here, Southside. 
you know, right by Midway Airport, but he moved me out to the cornfields of Fort Wayne. So I say, when you bring your kids around me, they're going to get country tough. They're going to get country. You know what I'm saying? They're going to be spitting like that. Not tobacco, but they'll just be spitting. They'll be coming back with scars, all kinds of stuff. So fathers, we get to do that stuff. Amen? We get to, and then we get to protect them. Anybody here ever get riled up about somebody messing with your kids? Anybody here ever just get like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to punch somebody so hard because I'm a father and I'm a man, you know? I remember one time I was walking in New Orleans, and this is the hood. I lived in the hood, and it was all good. And it's the South, and people are just crazy in the South about guns. I mean, it's just guns in the South. It's just God's guns and glory, you know? And so I'm in the South. I'm in the hood, and I'm walking my little dog. I got a little dog, and they got a pit bull. Anybody know I'm talking about pit bulls? And then the pit bulls in the hood, they're a little bit scary, aren't they? That's what they're supposed to do. So I'm walking the dog, my little dog. This guy has a pit bull, and the girl's in the front. She's just playing with the pit bull. She's playing with I'm like, the pit bull's nice. So I'm walking with my dog, and I'm like, go ahead, say hi to the pit bull. And then all of a sudden, all of this is happening. And I'm thinking the, the pit bull's going to kill my dog. The next thing that I see is the dad runs out with the shotgun pointing right at me. What you doing on my lawn? So not only did my dog almost die by the pit bull, I almost died by the father with the shotgun. And that's when I realized dads don't play. You mess with their kids, dads don't play. Any dads here like that? Like two of you. <laughs> like, did I lose some of you fathers? My dad's going to come up and give you the sophisticated talk, okay? What's, what's leave it to Beaver's father? Ward Cleaver. Ward Cleaver will be coming with the, the real presentation. So if you have come here and expected more than what you're getting right now, Mr. Cleaver will be coming soon. But why did I say all that? Because it did kind of lead into this, does it not? Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't push them so hard that they don't want to serve God or do good. But instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So think about this, fathers. The training and instruction of the Lord is not the mother's duty. We cannot push this off on our wives and say, honey you, honey, you take care of the kids. You just do this. You teach them. No, we need to teach them. And you know, so often I'll see this in church, that the women will teach the children the Bible verses. The women will uh, teach them what's right and wrong. And the fathers will sit back and be like, you know, that's not my thing. That's not my thing. Listen to me, fathers. The first person they're ever to see pray should be a man. They should see you praying. You've been given the title. Look, God is given the same title as Father. Uh, he has that title, and he gives us that same title. So we represent, not only do we represent what is strong and powerful and, and providing all that, but fathers, we are there to be the first representation of God to our children. Sad but true story. My mom, we used to sing a song in the church. We have the best dad in the whole world. Do we got to play that? Can you, guys, can you get the band up here, please, while I'll stall for you? We're going to sing that song while we hand out the candy to the dads, okay? We have the best dad in the whole world. You're like, I'm, I can stop singing, but I thought I was helping you get the notes there. Okay. <laughs> I got it, Pastor. Stop singing right now. So we were singing this song in church, and I came back, and I'm because it's a it's like a jumping, dancing song. We have the best day. Like you're excited, right? Anybody else get excited in church? Are you guys up right now? Did I what church did I walk into? Is this like the Frozen Chosen? Is this First Presbyterian Assembly? What happened here? What, what do we do with our people? 
I want to see laughs and giggles up in this place, okay? Because I'm going to start preaching in a little bit, okay? And you're going to be wishing I was doing this, right? Because it's going to get tight but right in a few moments. So just look at your neighbor and say laugh. It's, it's good right now to laugh, okay? So we were singing this song, we have the best dad in the whole world. We're jumping around having just a blast. I get back and I ask my mom, did you like that song? And she said, no, I didn't like it. And I said, why did you not like it? She said, because I had a horrible relationship with my father growing up. He never would tell me he loved me. Never really treated me special. And when you keep saying dad, I think of him. I don't think of God the Father. Just that title, Dad, made her think of her dad. And see, some of you have come from that background, like my mom. And when we're talking about Father's Day today, you're almost like, Pastor, let's just get past this because I don't have a good relationship with my dad. My dad's not here. Right? My, you know, my dad didn't show me the ways of God. But you know what? They can still be saved and be men of God. So if you're here today and you're coming from a broken place with your father, pray that God the Father saves them. And then for all the men here, let's be fathers that build memories with our children, that establish them in the ways of God so that they can say, I had the best dad in the whole world. They were to me like God the Father. They took care of me. They provided for me. They loved me even when I made mistakes. I have the best dad in the whole world. Amen? I'm going to give you the best dad in the whole world, according to my opinion. Jim Verostek, would you come, please? No, he ain't. <laughs> come on, you come. We're off the rails. We left the train station of normalcy so long ago. Man, you, yeah, but he's got to talk first, and then we're going to do the music. So right now, you got to do the soft stuff. So I'm going to turn you down, Eddie Van Halen. We got to go, we got to go twinkle keys right now. Everybody just stand up. Y'all too, y'all too tight right now. Look, we're going to do a little exercise. Everybody stand up. Okay. Everybody stand up. Wave up your hands. Go jazz hands. Don't fail me now. Now turn to the left and give your neighbor a shoulder rub. Come on, jazz hands. Don't fail me now. Give your neighbor a shoulder rub. There you go. Come on. There you go. Loosen up. Loosen up. It's just church, guys. It's just church. Okay, now everybody face forward. Hands up in the air. Shake them out. Jazz hands. Don't fail me now. Turn to the other way and give them a shoulder rub. right you may be seated thank you <laughs> praise the lord saints amen it's father's day you know with all this stuff going on you know if everything's in work and order on a man it's easy to become a father a biological father very easy. That's why there's a lot of unwed mothers out there, unwanted children, because it's easy to become a biological father. But sometimes when we look at the word dad, that's awesome. 
See, there's a difference sometimes between dad. That's why some of these songs that you hear, Abba, Father, and talking to our father, dad. So I, what I'm going to do today is, and Joe gave me some instructions as far as how long I can speak, so I won't go too long. <laughs> but anyway, I'm here to bring you some nuggets. I'm going to give you about four nuggets to the dads, to the young dads, even to the older dads. I'm going to give you some nuggets. And it's a difference between the nuggets. See, I could come here and give you money, which some people would like. I could give you money, but you're going to spend the money, and in a few days, years, whatever it is, money's going to be gone. But I'm going to give you some nuggets that you can keep for the rest of your life. So if you want to write these down, it's good. Because these are things that you can keep for the rest of your life. Somebody say, rest of my life. Nuggets. So what's a dad? I'm going to give you four things a dad is. The very first thing a dad should be to his children is the spiritual leader. Joe mentioned this just a little bit ago, but the spiritual leader of the house, which means you teach your children how to kneel at the side of the bed and talk to Jesus. You teach him or her how to say, thank you, Lord. You're the one that teaches your children in the spiritual matters. You are the spiritual leader of your house. Period. Amen? Amen? The next thing a dad has to be is a guide. You see, if I, and I've never been on a safari, but I would not go on a safari with someone who read about safaris. Okay? <laughs> I would not go on a camping trip with someone or a hiking trip who read about camping and hiking or climb mountains if they just read about it. But you're the guide. You see, men, you've been through things. You know where the traps are. You know where the valleys are, the high points. You know where the danger is. So you've got to be the guide to your children. And you help them prevent going to some of these places. Or you take them to the places where you know it's good. Amen. You're the guide. Somebody say guide. The other thing now that you have to be as a man and a father and a dad is a teacher. You're the teacher. Now, I understand, you're going to get in a situation where you're going to teach them, you know, one plus one is two and A, B, C, D, E, F, G type stuff. You're going to teach them that stuff. That's, that's normal. You're going to spend time teaching them that. But what I'm talking about a teacher is this. You're going to teach them things that no one else teaches. You're going to teach them how to be a good husband. Because... When you're a good husband and you treat your wife like she's the queen as she is, your children are going to see what it is to be a good husband. 
Your daughters are going to know what it is to have a good man. Your sons are going to know what it is to be a good man. So you got to teach them to be a good what? Husband. Then you're going to teach them things like this. You're going to teach them about integrity. There's no school courses on teaching you about integrity, really, because it comes through practical experience. You're going to teach them to be trustworthy. You're going to teach them to be a man of your word. You're going to teach them to be honest. I'll never forget this. And I don't say this to boast. I just say this is what happened. Joe may not even remember it, but he was about eight years old, and we were at a Target store. Walked out of the store, and he says, Dad, this is what I found. Look at what I found. That's about, you know, I don't know, 30 years ago. He says, I it was a $50 bill. You know, $50 is a lot of money. Found it in a parking lot. So what am I going to do? I said, well, that's a lot of money, Joe, $50. We got to take it back to the lost and found. How many of you would have taken it back to Lost and Found if you found $50 in the parking lot, right? So we walked back in and told the lady, I said, my son found $50 in the parking lot. She looked at me like I was nuts. Why, why are you bringing this $50 back? I said, no, he found $50 in the par parking lot. So she said, well, our policy is this. We'll put it in an envelope, put your name on it, and two weeks, if no one claims it, it's yours. So Joe printed his name. They the lady put the date on. We came back. Two weeks later, no one claimed the $50. Now, did he learn something about honesty? I think so. Amen? There's little tricks that the enemy is going to do that's going to help you not teach them honesty. But your job is to teach your children honesty, integrity. Then the last that a dad is. He's a builder. A builder. Not necessarily of houses or apartment buildings or, or you know, building uh, whatever, sheds or skate ramps. I'm not talking about that kind of building. I'm talking about a dad as a builder of character. The dad is the one that lifts the child up, builds him up. Or builds her up with words. You see, because words can either build up or tear down. You could cause someone to be successful or unsuccessful just how you speak. The little things that they do, you build them up. You're a builder. You build your children up because they're out in the world just as you are. And they're getting torn down by everything that's happening. So you got to build them up. So what is a dad? Dad is a spiritual leader. He's a guide. He's a teacher. And he's a builder. Amen? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the men who are fathers right now, if you want to make a declaration with me. Amen? Say this with me. Today, I declare that I will be the very best that I can be to my children as a spiritual leader as a guide, as a teacher, and as a builder for the honor and glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Praise God. Dad, would you stay up here? We're going to pray. We're going to pray, and then we're going to sing this happy song and give dads a bunch of candy. Dad, would you stay up here? Fathers, would you just stand up right now, all the men here? Can we bless the Lord for all these awesome men in the house today? Amen. Amen. If you're next to your father, you can lay your hand on his back or shoulder or whatever, but we're just going to pray for our fathers right now. God, we just lift up these mighty men of God to you. We thank you for their lives. We thank you that, Lord, we get to serve you, God, being examples, Lord. So we just pray that you will bless everyone here, every father that puts his family uh, first, God, before his own needs, every father that sacrifices, that works hard, every father, God, that does his best to be an example. Lord, we just pray you encourage them today. Lift them up. Strengthen them, God. Many times we as fathers, we feel that uh, we have to help everyone else, but there's no one to help us. I pray today that our families will remind us that they're here to help us too, to encourage us, and that, Lord, uh, we will be always indebted to you. No matter how educated fathers, as fathers we get, no matter how wealthy we get, that, Lord, we'll always lean on you because you are our father. You are the one who gives us the wisdom we need in life. You're the one who gives us our strength and direction. And for that, we thank you, Father. As fathers, we thank you and depend upon you. In the name of your Son, Jesus, we pray. And everybody said amen. Fathers, stay standing. We're going to hand you some candy. Would you play that happy song right now? We're going to hand out some good stuff to the fathers. In the whole world, in the whole world. Oh, we have the best dad in the whole world, in the whole world. The best dad in the whole world, in the whole world. Oh, we have the best dad in the whole world, in the whole world. Oh, we have the best dad yes. in the whole world, in the whole world. Oh, we have the best dad in the whole world, in the whole world. You got your candy? We you got your candy? All right. If you got your candy, world, you can grab a seat. the band amen all right look at your neighbor and say now it's time to get serious all right turn with me to Matthew chapter 6 verse 19 we are in a serious sermon series called the Sermon on the Mount so our serious sermon series is Sermon on the Mount we're learning about Jesus's teachings to his disciples the things that he taught them in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. We're going verse by verse. We started with the Beatitudes. We learned a lot about God's principles, how we're to act and behave. And now we're getting to where our treasures are. Today's message is storing treasure. Everybody say storing treasure. Thank you. We're going to learn about that today. Matthew 6, 19 through 24 is where we're at. Let's read, uh, as I read aloud, read in your own Bible. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. Anybody know what a vermin is? Who knows what a vermin is? Shout it out. Rats, mice, there we go. Where moths and rats and mice destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven amen where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal everybody say verse 21 together one two three for where your treasure is there your heart will be also thank you verse 22 
The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light within you, or excuse me, if then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Let's read this together. One, two, three. You cannot serve both God and money. Amen. Today's message, storing treasures. Jesus is teaching us the principle of treasures. There is a principle behind where we put our treasures. Now, every one of us wants to have treasures. We don't want to be broke, busted, and disgusted. We want to have things in our life that are valuable. And not only just spiritual things like love, joy, peace, patience. No, we need things in life. If you had the choice between an old beater car or a brand new car, how many would choose the new car? If you had a choice between a dilapidated apartment and a mansion, how many would choose the mansion, right? Let's not try to pretend we don't care about these things. We do. Poverty in the Bible is not a virtue. It's not the more poor and broke, busted and disgusted you are, the more spiritual you are. Some of the people in the Bible were the richest people that walked the earth at that time. Abraham was blessed and had much wealth. David was blessed, a king. You ever seen a poor king? I don't think so. He was a wealthy king. Solomon was the wealthiest king of Israel and the wealthiest man upon the earth. So treasure is a part of our life. But what Jesus, who himself lived as a nomad, is teaching us is that there has to be a greatest treasure. There has to be a number one treasure in your life that all the other treasures bow down to. That there is something in your life that is the sun and everything else revolves around it. And so just to skip ahead and give you the closing right now, who is the center of your life? What is the greatest treasure of your life? If it is not Jesus in the gospel and salvation, you are going to perish along with whatever you value in life. There is never a U-Haul that fouls a hearse to a gravesite. You cannot take it with you. Naked you came in, naked you're going to go. And the Bible says that if you've lived in this world with all your treasures and even gained possibly the whole world, yet lost your soul, it counts you for nothing. So let us start right now with understanding this passage. Jesus wants us to make him our greatest treasure. And he wants the things that we do for him to come first. As we're going to learn in the next passage next week, not to worry. Everybody say, don't worry. We're going to learn how not to worry next week. And you know what the solution is? It's not going to come from CNN financial report. It's not going to come from job security. It's not going to come from Obamacare. You're going to learn to not worry by doing what? Seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You will see how worry disappears when you put God first. Some of you all believe that. Amen. Let's look at some series terms. Since we're in the middle of this, term, uh, this series, some of you are new to the church. And we always want you to catch up with us. The Sermon on the Mount is the longest portion of Jesus' teaching found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the foundation of our kingdom or Christian principles. And that's why throughout this series, if you like to get on social media, hashtag Kingdom Basics all over social media when God is doing something in your life because this is the basics of the kingdom that Jesus teaches us. Like love your neighbor as yourself. Turn the other cheek. Some of those uh, sermons we've already gone through are online. Everybody say disciples. 
Thank you, committed followers and students of Jesus. That's who he's talking to. So Jesus expected those who heard this message to actually go out and do it. Don't just be a hearer of the word. Go out and do it. Practice it this week. Practice what you're hearing and ask the Lord to strengthen you to do it. How many want to be a disciple? How many believe you are a disciple? Amen. And then lastly, the kingdom of heaven. You're actually hearing it mentioned in this passage, but even throughout Matthew 5, 6, and 7, when you don't hear it uh, mentioned, it is still the central aspect of everything he's talking about. Everything about Jesus was about the kingdom to come and what God wanted to do, his Father upon the earth. That's why he said in the Our Father, we learned last week that when we pray, we say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and your will be done. I, I skipped that part, but you all tracking with me. So he always wanted us to be kingdom focused. Everything is kingdom focused. My job, kingdom focused. My family, kingdom focused. This church, kingdom focused. Driving in traffic, kingdom focused. Trying to go downtown to the lake this weekend, kingdom focused. Everybody say kingdom focused. Waking up Monday and you got a little ninny complaining on your job because, you know, they make your life miserable. They don't want to be there, but you're going to come there with a what? Kingdom focus. You're going to tell them, if you don't want that job, I got 10 people in my church that will meet me here and take it next week, okay? So stop complaining and let's do something good for the kingdom here. Amen? Okay, those are our serious terms. Here's the interpretation of the passage you just read. Here's the interpretation. He said, don't store up earthly treasures in verse 19. Jesus taught not to solely focus on gathering earthly treasures like money, house, and expensive things because they were temporal and could be stolen. So he's wanting us to understand this. Everything that you're considering valuable down here can either be stolen from you or be dissolved and broken down by vermin, mice, rust, etc. So he's trying to get us to focus on that simple thing. So imagine you're in Jesus' audience, like you're in my audience today as I'm preaching. Imagine you're hearing Jesus preach, and you're thinking to yourself, yeah, that kind of makes sense because my treasure comes from the cattle I have in my barn. They could die or somebody could steal them, and I wouldn't have any more treasure, would I? Or you might be thinking, my treasure comes from these things that I've stored up in my house, the jewelry that's been passed down from generation to generation. Yeah, it could be stolen, and if it wasn't real, it could rust, right? If it wasn't real silver or gold. Anybody ever had that fake gold turn your wrist green, you know? I did that one time. Went to a flea market, thought I was getting a great deal on all this gold stuff, and then all of a sudden it turned me a little green like the swamp thing but that's okay the, the idea was is that I had to learn a lesson not everything that glitters is gold y'all know that okay number two store up treasures in where heaven Jesus said that we should store up treasures in heaven by doing good deeds and acts of charity let's just turn back in Matthew 6 verses 1 through 4 what we learned last week because this is a part of the same talk it's the Sermon on the Mount. We've been breaking it up by passage by passage, but when Jesus did it, he did the whole thing through. You know, I think I should try that one day. How many think I should just try to do a, like a five-hour sermon one day? Would that be pretty cool? Anybody would hang around for that? Okay. Okay. I know what kind of day it's going to be. Matthew uh, 6. Go to Matthew chapter 6. In the previous verses... Jesus is building on the verses before him, just like a good speaker would be making a point, and he's not going to contradict what he has said previously. He's going to build on what he said previously. Look at Matthew 6, verse 1. It says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no 
reward from your Father in heaven. Oh, here we go, Jesus. You're making sense now, right? He's telling us to store up treasures in heaven. In the previous verses, he's telling us how we get rewards, how we get those treasures in heaven. And they are acts of righteousness. Okay, now get specific, Jesus. I need to know what is an act of righteousness. All right, I love Jesus. He explains it. So when you give to the needy, did you know that giving to the needy stores treasure in heaven? So when we talk about our projects to the needy here, you can participate with us and store up treasure in heaven. When we say we're going to the Philippines, we didn't say we were going to Boca Raton, Florida, or Puerto Vallarta to a resort. We're going to the place that just had a typhoon wipe out a lot of its people. Third world country lives on less than probably $10 a day. Most of the people don't have running water in their homes. And if they're living in urban areas, many of them are below poverty. And we're going there. Why? To show off our wealth as Americans? No, to give to them. To give them Bibles. To give the pastors the supplies that they need. To take care of their churches. To help support the organizations that are there. That's why we're raising that money. That's one way you personally in this church can apply what Jesus said. And let's keep going. So when you give to the needy, don't announce it. You don't have to tell us what you're giving. Give it to the Lord, unto the Lord, secretly. And then he says here, truly I tell you, if you try to announce it, you're going to receive your reward in full just by people you know, knowing about it on Facebook. But when you give to the needy, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that in your giving it may be what? Secret. So that your giving may be? So you don't have to announce it to everybody. Look, Pastor, I'm going to give $1,000 to the Philippines. No, just give it unto the Lord. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will what? Everybody say, reward me. Amen. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25, same Jesus talking. He's now in a different teaching series, and he's talking about the end times, and he gives us a whole bunch of examples of what the end times are going to be like when we're judged. Matthew chapter 25 will help you get a clear picture starting in verse 14, of what rewards are like in heaven. Jesus said, don't store your treasures on earth, but store up your treasures in heaven. Amen. Now look at 25, Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. If you're there, say I'm there. All right, wonderful. Look at it. It says, again, Jesus is talking. It will be like a man going on a journey. This is talking about what the kingdom of God is like. It's like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his what to them? His what? It's not a dirty word in church. It's, it's, it's what? It's wealth. So the Bible uses illustrations of wealth. But now it's not to be taken in a literal sense of wealth. He's describing it in a parabolic sense of spiritual wealth. Let's go up to the prior verse, verse 13, so they can see what I'm talking about. Again, uh, excuse me. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Go up to uh, go up a few verses so you can, they can see that they're talking about the kingdom. He gives an illustration here. Go on up. I believe it's probably going to be 25, verse 1. Here we go. At that time, the kingdom of what? Kingdom of heaven will be like these virgins. And then now go down to verse 14. He says, once again, it will be like this, a man giving out wealth. Okay, is everybody with me? To one, he gave five bags of gold. How many like five bags of gold this morning? Amen. To another, two bags of gold. Any two bags of gold people here? And to another, according to his ability, he gave 
uh, excuse me, two bags, and to another one bag. Okay, five bags. Let me read this again. To one he gave five bags. How many would like five bags? To another two bags. How many would like two bags? How many would like one bag? And that's like, oh, man, I'll just take that one bag and go home today. Okay, just the one bag. I mean, if you had a choice of one to five, you would take the five. But if I just said, here's all I got. I just got one bag of gold left. How many would still take it? One person got five bags. Another person got two bags. Another person got one bag. It's a principle here. Let's keep going. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work. Somebody say, put his money to work. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, work it. Amen. Put his money to work and doubled up, gained five more bags. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Long time after the ma- uh, excuse me, after a long time, the master of those servants returned, settled the accounts with them. Then the man who had five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful what? Servant. Has anybody ever heard that before? When do you expect to hear that as a Christian, well done, good and faithful servant? On judgment day. And I don't have time to continue to read the passage, but the bottom line of this parable is that he is showing that those who received gold and doubled it up by their hard work received rewards. Go back to the notes, please. Store up treasures in heaven. Jesus is telling us that we can store up treasures in heaven by our good deeds, by doubling what God has given us is the act of good deeds. He's given me this life. I can use my life to affect others now and touch your life and your life and your life. Did anybody double up on their gifts yesterday at Puerto Rican Fest? Did you share some of the love that God has given you? Did you share some of the good that God has given you? Did anybody double up? Did anybody have five bags of gold out there and just doubled up out there big time? Come on. Right? And then how many love to give to the needy? How many have a heart to help others? Remember, you can't give what you don't have. So we're not talking about a standard of trying to please men like, oh, I'm going to get into the $1,000 club, $100 club. No, you give the best that you can, and it's between you and God. Now, number three, in verse 21, He talks about where our treasure is, is where our heart is. Where your treasure is, saints, determines where your heart is. Get that principle. Here it is. Where your treasure is, there is your heart. So what are you focused on today? That house, that education, that job, that money, that sports car? I literally had a friend tell me at the gym. I'm, I'm evangelizing and sharing my faith. I had somebody tell me at the gym because I, you know, I told them I had four kids. And they're like, man, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, man, I don't have hobbies. I have kids, you know. And, and he literally looked at me and he said, I didn't want to have a lot of kids because I wanted a fancy car. A well-to-do man told me that. I did not want to have a lot of kids so I could have a fancy car. Where do you think his treasure is? Come on, where do you think it is? Yeah. Now, you may not say that kind of thing, but you may say this kind of thing. I don't want to give to the Lord. I don't want to give to the church because i got to keep giving to my family, giving to my family. If you make your family over and above God's kingdom, you have made your children an idol. That doesn't mean we don't provide for our children. Name for me one tither in this church. Anybody that's against tithing, name for me one tither in this church that does not provide for their family. Take your devil's lie back to hell where it came from and tell him we don't play with that here. 
I don't want to tithe because if I tithe, I can't take care of my family. Name one family here that doesn't take care of their family as tithe. My dad was a tither his entire adult life as long as I've been in his family. Always took care of me. But what did he teach me from the time he gave me his first allowance? Because it was his, but he gave it to me. I give 10% back to God. He would not let me as his son become his idol. I remember one day being with my dad not too long ago, and we were watching Shark Tank. Does anybody like Shark Tank? These guys wheeling and dealing, right? And we're watching this show, and I asked my dad, because my dad's a wise man. He worked in financial planning, and he would help investors. But I asked my dad, I said, Dad, how come you didn't pursue the same path as these men to become capital investors with multi-millions of dollars? And you can talk to him today. He looked me in my eyes, and he told me, Because when I was given the opportunity to continue to go bigger and bigger, I would have had to sacrifice my time with you. And he said, I was watching people do that on their journey upwards, and they were making compromises, and they were sacrificing their family. And he said, I wanted to be there for you. Hello, somebody. That's what I'm talking about today. Amen. I'm talking about doing something for somebody else other than just yourself. God is trying to teach us that these treasures that we uh, put our value on is not what he values. He is valuing where our heart is and what we are investing in. And so it doesn't matter if you have a little or you have a lot. You better be putting it into God's kingdom. And you better be teaching your children, you're not my idol. I serve God, and you will serve me with God. And if you don't want to serve me with God, you don't have to have the blessing of this house that God gave me. Because God gave me this house, not little Wayne. If you want to live like little Wayne, go live at little Wayne's house. The best thing, I know it's not Mother's Day, but the best thing my mother did was kick me out at 16 when I wanted to be like those people I was watching on TV. Amen? I got four of you saying amen. It's tight, but it's right. Look at what Jesus said. He made it clear. You're either self-serving, storing up earthly treasure, or you're God-serving, storing up heavenly treasure. According to the Bible, there's no middle ground. There's no middle ground. You're either self-serving or God-serving. And a lot of times, self-serving takes on a lot of different pictures. Like I said, well, I do this for my family. I do this for this. Well, if you don't teach them God and how to put God first, you and your family will go to hell. Listen to me, fathers. I still believe in a literal hell. It don't matter if you got the college education, a beautiful house, a beautiful car. In the time they die, if they do not know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, they will go to hell. And on judgment day, instead of hearing, well done, my good and faithful servant, they will hear, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. We cannot make our children an idol in our home. Amen? So where are you going to be? Storing up treasure in heaven and having great reward or storing up earthly treasure, suffering great loss. That's what Jesus wants us to think about. Number four, your eyes, see he says, your eyes are like the gateway to your soul. He says, if your eyes are bad, then your light is bad. But if your eyes are good, the light on the inside is good. So what does he mean by eyes there? Obviously, it can't be just this physical object because I could see a whole lot of things and still not have a light in my soul. What he's talking about is eyes as a symbol of your desires. So if you're desiring good things, you'll have good things here. If you're desiring evil things, you'll have evil here. Your eyes determine the light of your soul. 
Jesus used the eye as a metaphor of what people want and desire in life. When Jesus' disciples set their sights on God's kingdom, they'll be filled. Everybody say filled. Filled with the light of God's glory. However, if one lusts after the flesh and what they see, they'll be full of darkness and evil in the form of greed and idolatry. Go with me to 1 John 2.15. See, what do you desire in life? What do you want out of life? It's not very hard to see what most of people want in life right now. What do they want? They want money. They want everything that money brings, the fame, the power, the prestige, the nice things. That's what they want, and so they make it their God. Now, I've been preaching for almost 20 years, and no one has ever walked into this church and said, I worship money. No one says it, and even in Jesus' day, please don't deceive yourself to think somebody in Jesus' day is like, I worship money. No, the worship of money is hidden through your, it's hidden in your lust of the flesh. So instead of in your mind thinking about, oh, well, I'll never worship a dollar bill or anything, ask yourself this, are you lusting after the things of your flesh? Because that's how you know if you're truly loving money or are you pursuing the things of God? See, look at what Jesus said uh, through the Apostle John in this passage, 1 John Chapter 2, verse 15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in them. I talk to a whole lot of people at Puerto Rican Fest that think that they got the love of God in them. Oh, I know I love God. Oh, I know I love God. Yeah, but you love the world, and according to God, you are a liar. Because you cannot love God and this world. You cannot love the booty fellas and say you love God. If you're having sex outside of marriage, you're not loving God. You're loving the world. You cannot love God, uh, everyone here, and put money before God. You're loving your job. You're loving that prestige. You love what you have more than the God that gave it to you. What you set your heart on determines what you have on the inside. What are you desiring? What are your eyes seeing? You can't love the world and love God for everything in the world. Everybody say everything. See, I told you all were going to want me to keep laughing and giggling, right? It got real, real quick. For everything in the world, your job is everything. By God's grace, I'm going to be pursuing a doctorate in theology at Trinity University or Liberty University. Everything, universities, the house I live in, the car I drove, your job, sir, your job, ma'am, everything, everything in this world can be categorized like this. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, or the pride of life. There it is. You think you're going to please God in that education and not put God first? You have deceived yourself. We look at these rappers. I got a lot of young adults in here, so let me talk to you. You look at these rappers like Dr. Dre and Jay-Z and all these guys, and you think they're so great for their family because now they've got money. They bought their mama home. They will bust hell wide open, friends. They have nothing to give their family today. They are bankrupt in their souls, and they have a disease called greed, and they're promoting it not only to their children who will be cursed for it, but for all who buy into that kind of mentality. The Bible is saying don't fall for that. Don't you love money? Don't you love these things that they're selling you? I go into my gym all the time, and every time I go in there, they got the bobo there, the teat that men love to suckle on. You know what the men want to suckle on in my gym? Like a teat. 
You know what they want to suckle on every day like a little teat, like a little bobo, is sports. They want to come in there, see the gym. Who's doing this? Who's doing this? Who's doing this? Who's doing this? Like a little bobo. They need to pop that bobo out their mouth. Listen to me, friends. When I hear people talk about sports, well, my team this, my team this, what, they pay you? Chicago Cubs pays you. They ain't your team. That's somebody else's team. Try to get in there one time for free. Try to get in. Say, this is my team, baby. I'm going to go watch, watch my team play. They're going to look at you crazy. It ain't your team. You don't own that team. You don't get paid. You better pay them. You got to pay. Listen to this. If I went right now, right now to the park, if I went right now to the park and I saw people playing baseball and they said this to me, hey, give me $15 and I'll let you watch us hit this ball around. I would have said, say what? Yeah, give me $15 and I'll let you, I'll let you. I will, there's a big lawsuit going on between the bars of, of Wiggly Field because they built up, you know, these seats up here and they're trying to stop them from watching the game. So imagine this. They say to me, they say, look, man, pay me $15 and I'll let you watch me play. I would have said, you are out your mind. Why don't you pay me $15 to watch you play? Why don't you pay me money to take time out of my day to watch you do this? Because you ain't my bobo. You're not my teat. I don't need to suckle on you and live vicarious through you. I've got a God. He created all of this. And that's where I find my satisfaction. So why isn't it in my gym that people have preaching on in the middle of the day? Because preaching in the middle of the day like this will help a man stay married to his spouse and have a godly family. Preaching like this will set that person free from pornography. Preaching like this will change their life. Not suckling on, oh, what got this guy got paid this? Just suckling on that little teat. This is what we say in our culture. See, I'm making it real. This is what Jesus would tell you. We think Jesus would come in and look at our idolatry and go, oh, yeah. Sure, spend $100 on a game and then complain about giving to church. Sure. Spend hours watching these things and then complain about going to Boricua Fest. Yeah, complain about it. You'll sit out there and watch that game for hours and you'll watch them lose. Hello, Cubs fans. And you'll watch them lose. Don't throw anything at me inside, but it's right. I ain't a Sox fan either, but I'll just, I'm just on the winning team. Just somebody wins something anyways. You know? And we act like this is my team, like Michael Jordan, he's my man. Michael Jordan, and Michael Jordan ain't your man. You think Michael Jordan cares about you? Well, I grew up in the days of Jordan. You know, all these players now, they ain't like Jordan. You think Jordan cares about you? I love my fans. You know, they come to these cities, you know, they get transferred in for $50 million and tell you how much they love their fans until the next city pays them $60 million and they show up in Detroit saying, oh, I love my fans. All you are to them is this. Everybody get this in your I want your pastor to help you today. Cubs, Sox, Blackhawks, Bulls. Let me wake up somebody here today. This is all you are to them. You can get mad at me if you want. Just try to get in free and take a picture and show me I'm wrong. No, I'm serious. Somebody's like, somebody might be like, oh, no, they, they love me. I am special. They put me on the Megatron when I paint myself up. No, no, I'm just going to be real. Is it wrong to play sports? No, no, I'm just, I want everybody to get this illustration. This is what you are to them. You can't come in unless you give them this. This is all you are to little Wayne. It's all you are to him. It's all you are to Jay-Z. It's all you are to Transformers. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. 
They get awards for making $100 million and giving $50,000 to a school. What a joke. They get an award for giving away a tenth of what they make. I mean, not even a hundredth of what they make. My dad and I, we figured out percentage-wise. You know, you look at Mark Cuban on, on, on Shark Tank, and sometimes he'll give like 50000 to somebody. My dad and I figured it out. Tens of thousands of dollars to these people is equivalent to us like a dollar. They come throw a dollar at a school, and we're like, oh, you're so awesome. Oh, thanks, Michael Jordan. Thank you. Thank, oh, my goodness, you're so, you got $500 million, but you came here with $25,000. You, you, come on, put it together. Put it together, people. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's all we are to them. That's all we are. Big corporations, that's all we are. You think Apple cares about me? You think they care about my values? You think Starbucks cares about us? You think that you can hardly find a company that cares about you. If you work for a company that cares about you, then God bless you. But we are in a day and age, my friends, where the wealthy are getting wealthier, the poor are getting poor, and it's harder to get by. And we need to open up our eyes and get out of this rat race. Get out of this rat race. You know what? If we all stopped showing up at those games, they would stop charging us $100 to, play, to watch them play. They would start tearing down those big old walls and letting the people from the bar watch because there would be nobody watching them. It's time for this right. What do you want? Because the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Do you want to live forever? Amen? Do you want to know how to get there? Then you start right here in your heart with your treasure. Go back to your notes, please. We're almost there. Let's make it a little bit softer on the folks. Vinny, would you come up? <laughs> make it a little bit softer on them. Like, like it's so funny. Like, like some wife, like or mother, got like her husband like season tickets or something like that, and she's just like, oh my goodness. I'm gonna get you your gift tomorrow. I'm gonna go get you a Bible. You already have one, but I'm just gonna get you a Bible now. Well, hey, this is what Jesus said. Look at your neighbor and say, it's what he said. Money represents the master of pride and thus everything sinful desire that comes from it. 1 Timothy 6.10. Quickly turn there with me in closing. 1 Timothy 6.10. Money is the root to all sorts of evil. While you guys are turning there, Johnny Y. Rostick is a perfect example. Who did Johnny Y. Rostick play for, Dad? Phillies and the Cubs. My what, great cousin? Did he even care, did he care about any of us? No, he did. He never, did we ever get a penny of that? No, I'm just kidding. So one of my relatives played sports. What year would he play in? 40s and 50s. They didn't make a lot of money back then. Of course, it was, you know, he wasn't as good as others. But, you know, you think about that, he's gone. So many young people, I want to make it to the big leagues. I want to make it to, he's gone. He's so forgotten. I don't even care. I don't care. Do you care? Does anybody care about Johnny Wyrostick today? I'm just, I'm not saying like, do you care? Like you love, you feel sorry for Dito. Like, no, Dito, you know. No, I'm saying like, do, no, really, do you care? You don't care. Your life goes on. You think God in heaven is going to weigh us and judge us like that? Well, Michael Jordan, you were this. Okay, you get a different way to heaven. Oh, yeah, Bill Gates, you were this, yeah. Donald Trump wants to plaster his name all over his building. You know, you're hearing about that right now, right? And everybody's fighting him because he's going to destroy the, the look of our skyline, which is beautiful, right? We love our skyline. But men, they want glory. They want fame. Let them know Trump was here. 
Hey, you build a 92-story building, I guarantee you we're, we're probably thinking the same thing. Joe's building. It's like, Joe's building, this ain't your building. I'm a pimp. That's what I'm going to write. I'm a pimp. Y'all look up to me. Right? That's how we think. I mean, you put it, you put it in a three-piece suit, education, you know, but permits. But that's really all Donald Trump is saying is, I'm rich, you're not, look up to me. Look at what I built. Look at what you didn't build. That's how the world treats us. But Jesus is saying, get out of that. First Timothy, God speaking through Paul to his son, spiritual son Timothy, the love of money is a root to all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. You ever met somebody that had money and wasn't happy? I have. I have. You ever met young people, uh, children of people that had a lot of money and they weren't happy? I grew up in a nice neighborhood. One of my friends committed suicide. Wasn't happy. Had everything you could possibly want. Wasn't happy. Had a car, had a, had a beautiful home, had the video games. Killed himself. I grew up in a beautiful home. And yet I turned to drugs in a high school dropout. You may not be as extreme as that, but look back at your life. What has the lust of money, the lust of power, the lust of things in the flesh, where has it led you before? Did you cheat on your taxes, lie on your taxes so you could get a few more dollars? Yeah, I did this. You know, you, you around. I don't know how people do it, but they arrange it so they can get more money back. I had a situation like that in the church, you know, because people give and it's deducted off their giving. And somehow, I don't even remember the story, but somehow the IRS was coming after them and they wanted me to lie on behalf of them. I couldn't even believe they asked me to lie. And I was like, I can't, this is all you gave? That is it? Well, the IRS is going to come after me. It's going to be really bad. Can you just say I did this? I'll give it later. And I said, this is all you gave? This is all it is? That You stand alone on that right now. You put yourself there. We will pray for you. We will visit you in jail and bring you a Bible. My wife will make you cookies. But that's all you get. I'm, I'm being real. All kinds of evil. Look at the notes in closing and application. You might say, Pastor, what do we do? Throw away our Cubs hats and all that? No, no, no. Here's what I believe we walk out of here doing. Here's how we do it. Number one, be a giver of your tithes and offerings. I don't have time to go through all these scriptures now. But I believe the way we live it out is we just become givers. See, when I give a tithe, what I'm showing is that God gets the best of what I have. Okay? We're not going to spend a lot of time on that. You guys understand. Number two, start storing up treasures in heaven. So you're giving away what you have, every paycheck to break greed off your heart. You're seeking first that kingdom. And then along with that, you live a life of obedience. Because I've had sister big bucks and brother, you know, big dollar come to the church. And they'll drop it like it's hot and let everybody know. But they're not living right. They're not doing things right. And so, you know, that's pointless in God's kingdom, right? So we're not just saying give money and it's good. I'm saying let giving the money be a part of breaking the hold off your heart. But then live the life of obedience. Because it's not about money. It's about what Jesus said. All the things we've learned. You know, blessed are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who... 
Hung, no, what's the other one? Blessed are those who uh, thirst. I already said thirst. Which one? Pure in heart. Thank you. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Number three, use money as a tool. And so Deuteronomy 8.18 talks about the first time God's really mentioning wealth to the people of Israel. And he's saying, all of this is for my kingdom. So guess what? Here's the good news. Everybody look up at me, please. This is for your family, for the kingdom's sake. This is for your future and to hand it down for the kingdom's sake. So it's not like we all put our money in a pile in our clothes and burn it all and dance out of here naked and homeless. No, <laughs> that would be hideous. What we do is we just put God first in it. And remember we went to the very beginning about treasures. How many want a nice house? Do it God's way, and if you get there, never put that before God. But don't make it an idol. How many want a nice car? Save up and get there. Don't make it an idol. How many would like a raise on their job? If you got a raise on your job, anybody here would be like, no, I'm good. I had too much. Got too much money. You keep it. You No, you keep it. Shh. You keep it. How many would do that with a raise? Like, no. I receive. Come on. That's what we do. But for God's kingdom. Number four in closing. Keep Jesus as the master of your life. Last scripture. Colossians 2.6. Would you stand with me? We'll put it up here as you stand. Colossians 2.6. Altar workers, would you come please? I have used up all my good graces today with Metro Praise International. I knew it was going to be tough when I was telling them about kids falling down and hurting themselves. But I think we did good ish. How do we do? Amen. Are you blessed? Amen. Look at this scripture in closing. So then, just as you receive Jesus as Lord, anybody here receive Jesus as Lord? See the Lord of your life? Jesucristo es el Salvador. Did I say it right? Somebody say Jesus is Lord in Spanish. Yes. Jesus es el Señor. Everybody say this in Spanish. One, two, three. Jesus es el Señor. Salvador is Savior. Jesus Cristo es el Salvador. Is Jesus, is, is SL even belong in there? Okay, it belongs in there. Can we say that too? Jesus is Savior? He's going to need this mic on eventually today. <laughs> we will. We'll need that. Sí, 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 there it is. Lead us in Spanish, my brother. Jesus es el Señor. Is Jesus es el Señor. Let's all say Jesus. it together one more time. Jesus, Jesus es el Señor. Is Jesus is Lord. Yes. Jesus es el Salvador. Is Jesus is the Savior. Jesus es el Salvador. You know why I love speaking in Spanish? Because it's so much more romantical. So much more romantical. If you've received Jesus as Lord, you continue to live for him. That's what he says. Now watch this. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in faith. As you were taught, overflowing with thanksgiving, thankfulness. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you for everybody here. You said to us to store treasures in heaven, not on earth. You said to us, Lord, we couldn't serve two masters, not God and money. And, Lord, you taught us that if our eyes are good, our soul is good. But if our eyes are bad, our soul is bad. So today, Lord, 
we focus on you being the Lord of our lives and now everything revolving around you, building upon that foundation, our life, making you our treasure. Some of you thought maybe we would end with an offering today. No, that's not our method here. We don't do that. That's not the way we do it. I want to leave out here, though, by you making Jesus your treasure. So with your eyes closed, head bowed, will you make Jesus the treasure of your life? If you haven't been born again, will you ask him to forgive you of your sins of selfishness and selfish living and ask him to forgive you of the things you've done for your own flesh, your own uh, desires, and serve him now? And if you're already a Christian, a disciple, would you just affirm that love and just worship him in your own words and let him know that there's no one else like him, no one will ever take his place, that he'll deserve the, your life the rest of the days that you live? Right now, 30 seconds, you and God, is he your treasure? Man, would you help me prophetically sing it over this congregation? Jesus, be our treasure. Jesus, be everything to me and my family. Be everything to me. Align my goals with your purposes. May I serve you, God, with everything I have. May I love you all the days of my life, oh God. Jesus, 15 more seconds, saints, before we dismiss. Is Jesus the center of your life? Does everything else revolve around him? Is he your treasure? Is he the most prized possession you have? Jesus, forgive us for making idols out of this world, oh Lord, putting things before you. Forgive me, God, for stressing out over these things. I want to trust you, serve you. I want to be a giver, not just a taker, God. Amen. Let's close in prayer today. Father, bless the fathers as they go. May they lead and guide their families. Bless every family here, Lord, and help us to always love you. And may our hearts always have our attention, our eyes upon your treasure so that one day we can hear you say well done my good and faithful servant in jesus name if you believe it can you give him a hand clap and say amen we praise him for his goodness amen we love you god you're so good you are dismissed enjoy today if you need prayer come forward we're going to worship a little bit otherwise enjoy your father's day Anyone who needs prayer, come on up. Man, would you lead us in a song? Thank you, Lord. There's nothing worth more that I'll ever Oh, that's good. Come on, let's sing that today. Prayer for anything. We're up here today. Let us minister to you. Otherwise, just enjoy your week today. about your presence today, God. Yes, Lord. I've tasted and seen Thank you, God. The sweetest of love When my heart is on screen And my dream is If you need to worship, just hang back and worship today. I feel the presence of God here right now refreshing.
If you need refreshing today, let them do it. Let them encourage you.
simply stages simple minds